Welcome back to the Theology of the Eucharistic Table podcast. Today we have a bonus episode for you. This past Friday, the Universal Church celebrated the Solemnity of Saints Peter and Paul. And at Mount Angel, Abba Jeremy celebrated a pontifical mass for the occasion and preached a powerful homily. So we'll play this homily for you. And you can also find the text of the homily on our website, theologyatmtangel.com. We hope you enjoy. My dear brothers and sisters, there is a happy difficulty in trying to celebrate today's feast rightly, for in fact we are dealing with two saints together, each of whom is truly a giant figure in the community of the first generation of believers. How to celebrate one without taking attention from the other? How to find unity in figures so strikingly different from each other? That's the happy problem. And so I suppose we just rejoice in it year after year as the day rolls around. And maybe by adding up the years through a lifetime, we begin to approach some understanding of how wonderful God is in his saints. Different as St. Peter is from St. Paul, they have in common that both of them reached Rome as the end and culmination of their apostolic journeys. Both of them were martyred there, and their blood was, and still is, the seed of the Church Universal. Rome is not just any place, then or now. Rome was the capital of a worldwide empire, and its systems of Roads and commerce and travel were the providential preparation, the infrastructure for the fulfillment of the words of the risen Jesus uttered just before his ascension. Jesus had said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes down on you. Then you are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, yes, even to the ends of the earth. When the gospel reaches Rome in Peter and Paul, these words are fulfilled, and we are still celebrating. Roman Catholics, it means something. Of course, we celebrate this day as a solemnity. A saint from any century is a good deal. And perhaps we feel more awe sometimes if they are from very long ago, like the fourth century or the third or even the second. But there's more than that in Peter and Paul. Each of them, in his own unique way, is part of the Jesus event itself. They were actors and direct players in the center of God's huge deed in Jesus' death and resurrection. Peter was chosen by Jesus himself at the beginning of his ministry. He confessed his faith in Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. This was given him not by convincing human arguments, but in a direct revelation from the Heavenly Father. We just heard this confession in the Gospel. 
Paul was an apostle born out of the normal course. But what made him an apostle is that he was privileged to have had the risen Lord appear to him directly and constitute him as the apostle to the nations. Peter was enmeshed in the events that surrounded Jesus' death where he denied Jesus three times. But the risen Lord appeared directly to him as well, and the fact became an actual formula for confessing the church's faith. It is stated by the other apostles to the two disciples as they returned from Emmaus. We sang it every day, all during the Easter season. The Lord Jesus has indeed been raised. He has appeared to Simon. Alleluia, alleluia. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes down on you, Jesus said just before his ascension. Pentecost fulfilled his promise, and Peter is the first evidence. The bumbling denier of Jesus during his passion, not to mention his mistakes in understanding during Jesus' ministry. The bumbling denier becomes a fearless witness on the day of Pentecost. And the story rolls on from there. Ascension and then Pentecost is the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles. But after that, Peter steps onto the scene as stunning preacher of the Christ event and the Christ truth. Some 3,000 were baptized that day. In many ways, the book of the Acts of the Apostles centers around Peter and Paul. But it is a story full of adventures and surprises that we can associate with the Holy Spirit. I've got to share with you a description of the Acts that I came across some years ago. It was penned by the biblical scholar E.J. Goodspeed way back in 1923. And he really captures the mood of that biblical book. He says, quote, Where within 80 pages will be found such a variety and series of exciting events? Trials, riots, persecutions, escapes, martyrdoms, voyages, shipwrecks, rescues, set in that amazing panorama of the ancient world. Jerusalem, Antioch, Philippi, Corinth, Athens, Ephesus, Rome and with such scenery and settings, temples, courts, prisons, deserts, ships, barracks, theaters, has any opera such variety, a bewildering range of scenes and actions and of speeches passes before the eyes of the historian, and in all of them he sees the providential hand that has made and guided this great movement for the salvation of mankind. End quote. This great movement for the salvation of mankind, Peter and Paul are at the center of the drama. That is today's feast, and it belongs to us, for the faith has reached us through them and in communion with them. In the first reading, we heard of Peter's Second jailbreak, aided by an angel both times. Paul has a jailbreak, too, in a later chapter, caused by an earthquake. But 
Who knows if the earthquake wasn't caused by the earthquake-making angel in Matthew's gospel that got the stone rolled away from the tomb to show that the body of Jesus wasn't in there. There are angels all over these stories. In any case, the jailbreaks are so that Peter and Paul can proclaim that the Jesus who was crucified, God has raised him up and made him Lord and Messiah. This is the bedrock core of the message, and they take it out of those jails all the way to Rome and seal their preaching with the shedding of their blood. Paul joyfully declares, as we heard in the second reading, I am being poured out like a libation. Out of those jails, all the way to Rome. The significance of this was not lost on Luke, the author of the Acts, nor on the earliest thinkers in the Christian community who reflected on the fact that Peter and Paul were both martyred in Rome. Rome was an empire that controlled under its sway virtually all of the known world. Many things were to be admired in its organization, its culture, its language. And yet she was corrupt in her center, a corruption which appeared in full light of day under the light of the new deed of God worked in Jesus' resurrection from the dead. So what now? Peter and Paul are put to death by Roman authorities, just as Jesus himself was. But God raised Jesus from the dead. Peter and Paul preached it fearlessly. And so their own being put to death in Rome receives a similar response from God. The words of Peter that we heard at the end of today's first reading ultimately refer to his share in Christ's own resurrection and the fruits of his own passion being joined to Christ. He said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel to rescue me. Or Paul, in the second reading, ultimately is referring to the same. The Lord will rescue me from every evil and will bring me safe to his heavenly kingdom. Rome's corrupt center is claimed for Christ by the death of these two glorious apostles. It seems to the authorities that they have simply been disposed of, gotten, gotten out of the way, just as was done with Jesus in Jerusalem. But no. Paul's words in the second reading can speak for both him and Peter in what they experienced every step of the way after Pentecost. He said, the Lord stood by me and gave me strength so that through me the proclamation might be completed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Peter and Paul's mission has reached us and has been bequeathed to us. We are the witnesses now to the same realities in our day. As we celebrate the Eucharist, we professed Peter's same faith in Jesus, saying to him, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
On the rock of this faith, Jesus builds his church, still now, in our midst. And the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. As we celebrate the Eucharist, we pray with Paul that we may be conformed to it, that our lives, too, may be poured out as a libation, and that we will keep the faith. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week when we'll continue with the ninth episode of our series, the third part of the third master theme, The Paschal Mystery. Mm -hmm.